I'm only an old gleeman, he said from the door, and Randolph Thor is only a shepherd, but we both do what we must. Who could I possibly be dangerous to? As he pulled the door to, hiding her, hiding Dina, a mirthless, wolfish grin came to his face. His leg hurt, but he barely felt it as he hurried purposely down the stairs and out of the inn. Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning! This podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Great Hunt, please proceed with caution. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapters 30 to 34 of The Great Hunt. Note, I have not read past chapter 34, and Will is going to do his best not to bring anything from the rest of The Great Hunt or the next 12 books in during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 34, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them. Okay, time to do Dragon Mount Saris, starting with chapter 30. After burning every invitation from every lord and lady in the city, Rand receives letters from the king of Kyrian and his bitter rival, Lord Barthanas. Huron convinces him not to burn them. Rand visits the guardhouse to ask whether Ingtar has arrived and returns to find the inn burning, Huron injured, and the chest with the horn of the Lear and Matt's dagger gone. Perrin's party arrives, too late. Varen heals Huron, who tracks Thane to Lord Barthanas's manor. Varen tells Rand that the half-buried statue they passed is a Sa'ingreal, attuned to Sidene and powerful enough to destroy an entire country. Rand uses his invitation to gain entry into Lord Barthanas's manor and schmoozes, while Matt, dressed as a servant, searches with Huron. Barthanas remarks that Rand resembles Andorran royalty. Rand sees Tom entertaining Barthanas's guests and speaks with him. Thane's trail dead ends at a waygate inside the manor's garden. Rand opens the waygate but finds Machin Shin waiting for him. He channels fire to keep it from escaping while Loyal shuts the gate. As they leave, Barthanas delivers a message from Thane. He will wait on Tomon Head. Tom returns home to find Dina murdered. The men who killed her claim Barthanas sent them to pump him for information on Rand. Tom kills them, learns they actually worked for King Galdrian, and sets out to commit regicide. Padden Fane reaches Tomon Head and ingratiates himself with Lord Turak by giving him the Horn of the Lear in its chest. Turak opens the lock, which defeated Fane, but refuses to return the Shadar Logoth dagger. We're definitely past the halfway mark here. Stuff's starting to come together. Stuff is starting to come together, and this book is clearly following the, like, you succeed up until the halfway point, and then things are starting to go to shit again. Yeah, it's got it's got high points throughout. Like they start off in a high point. They have the horn. They just well, that's the halfway. That's at the by the midpoint. Well, I mean, like for the whole book, right? Like when we pick up with the great hunt in general, they just won the eye of the world. They have the horn. They have a they have one of the seals. It gets stolen. They they have to hunt it down. Pad and Fane has it. Okay, they're finding it again. Rand's kind of like figuring himself out. Stuff good stuff is happening. They have the horn again and now it's gone. Well, that's not what I was saying though. Is that like after like usually, you know, either things get really shitty until the midpoint and then things start to get better until things get really bad at that like three-fourths of the way there bit or things get really good until the midpoint and then things start to go to shit again at about the three-fourths point which is roughly where we are right so things have been getting steadily worse in the previous section and this one. Right. Some good things have happened, though. Rand, Matt, and Perrin are 
back together again. Yeah, but in terms of like the overall plot, right. things they've are going to shit. Horn. They've lost the horn. And sort of more importantly to the characters, the dagger. Yeah. The dagger's gone too. And Matt is not doing well. No. Everybody around him keeps kind of remarking that like, what is going on? He seems healthy, but he's eating like he's starving. And he, no matter what he does, he just keeps looking worse. Yeah. He, he, like his his personality is intact and his spirits are up and he's not... Sort of. He's still being kind of a dick. Yeah, but like he's still trying to make jokes. He's just... He's got some trauma going on. Yeah. He's got his normal person. He's not super greedy. He's being a no. dick, but he's not Matt with the dagger dick. No. Well, that's a special kind of dick. Reserved for now, just Pat and Vane. Yeah, because he was really wanting that dagger and almost snatched it. Yep. And... He basically just was like, I might just have to kill this guy. But then he realized he could manipulate him and he's like, I'll do this instead. This is better. No, the guy he wants to kill is the guy with the braid. Oh, yeah. He's like, okay, I think I can manipulate Turok, but the guy with the braid's got to go. Guy. Yeah. I mean, he also feeds a non-trivial amount of the Dark Friends following him to Trollocs. So... Yeah. I mean, it's Pat and Fane. He's a bad dude. Yeah. Anyway. That's an understatement. That's the very end. We're skipping way ahead. At the beginning... Rand is playing the game quite well. He's been just kind of traipsing around town, trying to find Ingtar, burning all of these letters from lords, and it got him an invitation to a, a party with the king and his chief rival, Barthanas Damodred. Which, yep. Damodred, that's Moraine's last name. That's what I thought, and so... I was like, hmm, and I didn't want to Google too much. That would probably be to a see if bit I remembered spoiler. where the name came from, and like I had to quickly navigate away before yeah. I got any spoilers, which are like it's like oh god, I'm getting into spoiler territory, which we're starting to get into anyway with the show a little bit coming, yeah. and so I'm starting to teeter into unavoidable spoiler time. Yes, fortunately, this series is. So big that a lot can get spoiled, and also you can have even more left to discover. Yeah, because I mean, there's 14 books and they're all chonkers. So. Yeah. So there are there, one fun fact about this is that Moraine is technically, I don't think, all that distantly related to Galad or Elaine or Gawain. Okay, because like, yeah, I was confused at the like the. Because there's Tyringale Damodred, who's all their who is all their dad. Okay. I don't remember. And exactly, so Moraine is semi-related to them. Yeah, I don't know how closely because it's a royal house, right? A lot of people have the name. It could be a could be a branch family thing. Right. I don't remember how closely, but I think it's actually surprising. Surprisingly closely related. Huh. So yeah, that's fun. It's a fun little bit of like world interconnection. Yeah. But Barthanas Daladred is not a good person. No. One, he's just kind of an aristocratic dick. Yeah. He like clearly doesn't treat his servants that well because he walks in and Rand is kind of like putting on a like a shitty lord face with Matt acting as his servant. But not anything like too bad. He's just like, oh, you're just a servant. And Damadred's like, wow, you treat your servants nicely. Like what? Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing to your servants? Rand is, nice? Rand is starting to play this Lord game really well. And it's something that we get into in Perrin's point of view. Because he's like, Rand isn't just, like, Rand is fitting that, like, that coat fits him. Right. In the way that people describe his sword fitting him. Yeah. And at one point he, Perrin kind of, like, thinks to himself that Rand is starting to, like, adjust how he acts to where he's treating Varen and Ingtar like equals. Yes. Which is big. And I 
think that's just how it comes off. Because we're in Rand's head a lot, and Rand knows that, like, Rand doesn't feel like the equal of Varen or Ingtar. But he's speaking to them as, and even Varen comments on it. Right. Because he's like, I can't pretend to be a lord and Perrin's like, you're doing a pretty good job. But he does it in a nice way where Matt's like... That's just like, fuck you, you're not a lord. He's like, you're doing it really well then. Like, you can just, like, that's how I imagine Matt talking most of the time during this book. It's like, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, Matt is alternatively going like, yeah, you're not a lord, fuck you. Or like, oh, you're a lord, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's just no winning with but Matt But Perrin right now. is like, no, I think you are going, I think that is, this is something that you yeah. can do. Because we are all, he's very much like, we're all changing. Yeah. And Perrin is very quickly maturing, which I Perrin really... and Matt, uh, not Perrin and Matt, but Matt is anti-maturing. Perrin and Rand both. Clearly, we got a little bit of it in the sections in the mirror world or the portal world. But here we kind of get somebody experiencing it for the first time, just like the amount of maturing and like owning up to who he is that Rand had to do when Loyal and Huron were depending on him. Right, because when he does run into Matt and Perrin again and Ingtar is there, they're like trying to make a plan as to what's happening. And he's like, Huron... You can, like, if... I'm not a lord. <laughs> but he's also, like, taking control. Right. He's like, all right, here, and if you think he can catch the trail later, then you're going to rest right now, and da 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 And he, like, stops, and he realizes, like, like oh, oh, shit. Ingtar's here. He's oh, in shit, command. sorry, Ingtar, I didn't mean to step over you. I'm just used to being in charge now. Right. And then Ingtar's like, no, I think we did a good job picking you to be number two. Yeah. Like... Maybe it wouldn't have been that bad if you were just in charge from the beginning. Like, Ingtar, Ingtar is a good mentor. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he's saying. He's like, at least you had the horn in your possession at some point. Right. And, like, Ingtar is very also focused on the horn. Like, well, it's the horn of Valir. Every, like, the whole point of this expedition was to get the horn back. I know, but he's almost treating it in a way that Celine is. Is like, I'm going to die if I don't get this. And Rand's just like... Yeah. Well, Rand's focused on the dagger primarily. But he's also like, we need to get the horn, but I don't want the horn. Yeah. Ingtar is, I think, he's I mean, it's, like, a, it's a legendary object. I think he's also just very stressed because, like, they lost it. Right. And, like, he was tasked to do this thing. And so if he can't do it, it's like, it he kind of, fails. Yeah, especially in the, like, borderlander culture where it's like, you don't fail against the shadow. Death is the only time you're allowed to fail against the shadow. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some stuff going on there. Because the horn gets stolen again. Yep. He goes, Rand goes off to see if Ingtar's there. And he's like, he goes to the, the like gatehouse, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he's already here." No, actually, no, they, they're they... like, "He's not here." And then he goes back to the inn, and it's on fire, and Ningtar's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gate people are clearly lying. What kind of Tavirin shit is that? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, the inn is on fire, and Matt's or and Rand's like, we gotta go up and like see what's because they're like he just runs right he, the fuck in. He's like, where's Hiran? And the innkeeper's like, I don't know. And he's like, I'm gonna go find Hiran. Yeah, and which like good for him. He prioritized the person over the horn and the dagger, both of which would be very fair things to prioritize over a person. Like, yeah, it's good that Rand prioritized well, Hiran over them, but because. 
prioritizing the dagger isn't prioritizing the dagger. It's a, it would just be prioritizing Matt over here. And yes, except that the dagger can also corrupt other people. Like the dagger is very dangerous on its own. As well. Yes, it is. But like, if he had been like, if I'm gonna save, like, if he's gonna like save an item, like, and he's looking at the horn and he's looking at the dagger, like, the him da- taking the dagger is him saving Matt. Yeah. Like, very true. He's focused on the dagger because he wants his dick of a best friend to be healed (laughs) to hopefully get his friend back (laughs) yeah but so he goes up and loyal's like i'm gonna go too i gotta go get my books so they don't burn (laughs) and then loyal sees hearing is there with a head wound he's like guess my books are gonna burn (laughs) gotta save hearing yeah good job loyal loyal is best friend i love loyal he is the best he is the best if lan is the best like warrior poet Loyal is just the best friend. Yeah. Much like Kirby, he is shaped like a friend. What? Kirby, uh, one of the Kirby games describes Kirby as shaped like a friend. It's weird. That is weird. I have a whole Kirby thing I can show you. Kirby is in like Like, like, swallows things? Yeah, like... In Pokemon? Like, no, not Pokemon. Smash. But isn't Kirby a Pokemon? No. No? Kirby is Kirby. I always thought it was Pokemon. Kirby is definitely not a Pokemon. He's shaped like, like he looks like a Pokemon. He's just like a little pink blob. The Pokemon you're thinking of could be Jigglypuff. The one that sings and puts people to sleep. Yeah, but isn't Kirby also? No. Is Kirby just only in Smash? No, Kirby has its it's his <laughs> own series of games where they are the main character. Well, I have been thinking that Kirby's a Pokemon this entire time. So. Kirby is definitely not a Pokemon. Okay. And this is definitely not a Pokemon podcast. <laughs> no, it's also it's... definitely not a Kirby podcast. <laughs> Where were we? Clearly I didn't play Pokemon as a child. Loyal is shaped <laughs> like a friend and saves Hiran. But he made he does manage to get some books. Does he? Yeah. Okay. And and Rand is like, I gotta go. He's like leaving, then he sees his door. I gotta check out that room. Yeah. And, and the horn's gone. The horn, well, the horn was in the room with Kieran, but he's like, let me check my room also to make sure that it's not in there too. Surprise, it wasn't. And then he's like, he's he remembers his banner, and he's like, I could let it burn, but nah, I gotta save it. Probably a good decision. Probably a good decision. He is the Dragon Reborn. It is his banner. If he let it burn either he's Taviran, right if he let it burn either something bad would happen because he'd need the banner later or it wouldn't matter and he'd find another one yeah because i think moraine had that one made no that's no. the one they found with the horn remember they found the horn like wrapped in a banner oh no i did not remember that well they did and it's i thought banner. i thought moraine just had a banner made no. with all of his coats now i'm like power coats. move moraine i mean moraine <laughs> is kind of the queen of power moves so, yeah. Anyway, Dark Friends, a.k.a. Pat and Fane and some Trollocs, stole, stole the horn. And then he, he runs out of the inn as it's still on fire, and he sees Matt and Perrin, and then he's just like, he just sits on the, he just sits on the ground and laughs. He's like, you're too late! It's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> and then laughs like a crazy person. Well, he is going, he's started to go crazy. It's not, like, noticeable, but he's channeling. Yeah. He channels, again, consciously in this section. So he has begun his descent, ascent, into mountaindom. I just wonder how long it takes. It's a good question. Because, like, it's a 14-book series. It's a 14-book series. And I've looked at the covers, and he's on the covers of, like, 
80% of them. Yeah. So, like... I mean, he could be mad by the end of it. He could be mad. He could not be mad. It, it could be... He clearly doesn't at least volcano. Maybe. Past book 10, because he's on the cover of book 10. Isn't that, like, Fabio Rand? No, that's book 6, uh, Lord of Chaos. Fabio Rand cover. If you go look at the Lord <laughs> Lord of Chaos cover, he looks... Uh... On the original ones. Yeah. You can tell, because it's got Rand with, like, the deepest V shirt. <laughs> Hair blowing in the wind. <laughs> it Better is... than Nick Cage ran from Eye of the World. I think those are my two favorite covers. Oh yeah, the the shirtless, the like shirt sleeveless one. That's a good one too. He's like standing there in a vest, just a vest and pants, and he's like weirdly jacked. And it's like what the he's hell? He's got like parent arms. He's got like parent arms. And then on you know on the cover of the first one, he looks like Nick he Cage. Looks like Nick Cage. He's just like creeping to the corner, like, hey. <laughs> I'm not important in this book. I'm going to I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm going to steal the eye of the world. <laughs> anyway, dark friends take it and they go to the manor of Lord Barthanas Damadret, who's having a party very conveniently that Rand has an invite to. Yes, because they're trying to discuss a plan while Huron is off to follow the scent and follows it to this lord's house. Varen is like, "We've got to figure out a way to get to his house." Rand's like, I have an invitation, which is very Tavir and shit. And she's like, oh, that's a wonderful coincidence. And she takes both and she just tosses the one from the king in the fire <laughs> and then opens it. I'm kind of loving Varen's energy in this section because she then goes on to fully roast Rand about how arrogant he was. He's like, I don't know I can if I can pretend to be a lord. <laughs> she's like, just be as arrogant as you were when you were talking to the Amberlin and you'll be fine. Yup. <laughs> I'm like, and then he yeah, proceeds to do that. <laughs> he proceeds to do that. He also channels some of the Borderlander things. He, Lord they... Damadrid asks him how old he is, and he's like, I'm less than a year old. Because he counts it back to when he got his sword, which is what Borderlanders do. And I'm just like, Sword Dad did it again. He really did. <laughs> he... Lan did, did it. <laughs> Rand is a borderlander. Rand is a borderlander. Because he's like, because I think they're talking about uh, him traveling with Varen. And he's like, well, Inktar must be her warder because you're too young to be a warder. But you're talking and acting like a warder. So how old are you? <laughs> he's like, ah, I'm less than a year old. <laughs> I'm less than a year old. And he's like, yeah, you sound like a warder, but you're a lord. What is happening here? Like... The Kyrianen are very confused by Rand. Which is probably why they wanted to torture slash kill anyone who has information. Yeah. It's, I'm a little confused as to why the king wants that. I took it as the only one of the men was the king's. I mean, I think if one of them works for the king, all of them work for the king. It's the great game. See, my brain was like, oh, one of the guys is the king's man. Maybe he infiltrated. But Tom's going to go kill a king, and he wouldn't go kill a king if unless all of them we're doing that. He's he's off to kill one man. I think he was probably if he he was gonna kill both of them. Both of them, I think. But okay. one's already dead. Yeah. So. Rip. He was not around for very long. No. He anyway, was not. they're at this party. Actually, you know what? Perrin happens before the we get we get. A we Perrin talked a little bit good. about Perrin about the. It's mostly that section's mostly there just to highlight Rand's changes. Yeah. And to be like, hey, Perrin has internal conflict. But I think that there's not really much of the plot that's happening. And Perrin, Perrin's subplot is not even a subplot of this book. No. The Perrin sections are serving to either highlight 
Rand's changes, like it is in this section, or to provide information about what is happening while Rand is separated. Yeah. Because, like, that's the first time we get a parent section is when Rand disappears. Mm, yeah, true. And this so... This is definitely a Rand book. Not every book is a Rand book. Good. This is a Rand book. Yeah. And actually, I, I would even maybe say that most of the books aren't Rand books. That's interesting. Because, you know, he's the Dragon Reborn. He's the Dragon Reborn. There are some changes that, that occur in this across the series. It's a 14-book series. Yeah. People end up in very different spots. That's fair. But yeah, we're getting a lot more of Egwene. We are. Than we are Perrin. That's true. We get whole chapters from Egwene, and we don't even get whole chapters from Perrin. We've gotten a whole chapter from Perrin, but short. it was such a really short chapter. Right. And I think it, like they couldn't have tacked that on no. to another chapter, because it would have been too long. Like, chapter pacing-wise, I understand why they did it. Yeah. I'll say, the chapters here are very well split up. Yeah. It was a little bit of a problem in the eye of the world where it felt like some of the chapters were split just because they didn't want like an 80 page long chapter. Yeah, because that, and that's why we fell into that weird like we were splitting what should have been one scene over two episodes. Right. Because it was a chapter break. But right. Here, there are definite beginnings and endings to scenes, and it, they usually only last a chapter or two. And most of the time, he's been ending a chapter. And then doing, like, a small, like, time skip in between chapters. Like, it'll end with Rand, like, getting to an inn, and then it'll pick up with him, like, the next morning. Yeah. And if there is a scene broken up across chapters, it's to create that moment of, like... This is a plot event. Or rather, like, sometimes when you do chapter breaks, you you want it to be a chapter break that is sized well enough that a person could read it in a setting to be like, oh, I just want to sit and read one chapter before bed. But you also want it to possibly lead to eh, maybe I could do one more. Yeah. And sometimes some of the chapter breaks are like a suspenseful like oh well I have to read one more because like I need to know what happens yeah. next. This book has been actually pretty good. It's been really well paced which they, I'm enjoying. Either, yeah they've either been ending with like the end of a sequence I, which could be more than just one scene or it's been clearly this is going to continue and maybe get resolved in the next chapter. And I think that it comes from it being the second book. Yeah. Like, I think the edit- when they realized how well the first book did, the editors just spent more time. And I think... And, like, the publishing company. And everyone put a little bit more into this one. Yeah. And I think also that the first book set things up very, very well. Yeah. Like, we, we understand that this, you know, there it's it's a fantasy world. There's crazy things happening. Now it's about the characters. Yeah. Because this whole book has been, like, Rand's struggle to figure out what it means to be the Dragon Reborn. And he, from where we are, it may not even be done at the end of this book. I don't think it will. I think, it is, I think it's going to take him a long time to figure it out. But I think that's because even if, I think that this version of the Dragon Reborn might be a little bit different than previous ones. Because I don't know that the taint has ever happened. What do you mean? Well, the the Dragon Reborn is inherently a like the strongest male channeler. Mm-hmm. I don't know that well, like the last time the dragon was spun out into the pattern, Luz Theron, he wasn't going crazy just by being who he is. Rand is doomed to go crazy because of how he was born mm. through external forces. So there wasn't other dragons between Luz Theron and no. Rand? No. It was Luz Theron and then Rand. Okay. And then it'll be somebody else and then somebody else and then somebody else and then eventually lose there and then Rand again because it's the wheel of time. 
Servo. Yeah, but no, uh, Rand is the dragon reborn. So the next one will be Rand reborn. If the pattern needs a dragon. The pattern may not need a dragon. Well, like storytelling wise, there's got to be like, they would not be telling this story if Rand was Luz Theron. No. There is something different about how Rand is going to end up being this male channeler that helps yeah. save the, or either break the world or save the world for breaking. Like I don't. Or both. Or both. Like I'm still confused as to what is actually happening wheel wise, but the wheel of time concept is one that I I just haven't solidified in my brain as understanding it yet. I probably do understand it, but my brain's like, no, you don't. You don't need to think about it that much. Yeah, I'm just ignoring it for now because it doesn't seem that important. But yeah, there's something different going on with Rand. And so I think that it's not going to be as simple as like, oh, I found out at the beginning of the the book. I found out at the beginning of the book that I'm the dragon reborn. I know how to do that now. It's not as simple as the prophesized savior saving the world. No. It's not a simple good guys win at the end. It's not Harry has to defeat all the Horcruxes and then he defeats Voldemort kind of thing. It's a, we don't know what's happening here kind of like, it's not, it's not throw the ring into the volcano and call it a day. No, because how do you even defeat cosmic evil? Right. Like they thought he did, they thought they did it before, but clearly they haven't. Nope. Balsamon's still around. Who knows? And how do you do that when you're going crazy? Yeah. And how do you prevent yourself from going crazy? And I think that's something that's going to be explored this time too because it's clearly ramping up and so and they're sowing all these nuggets for possibly learning how to prevent a male channeler from going crazy yeah as quickly even Mm -hmm. like maybe rand will be able to like maybe he'll eventually go crazy but kind of in like an alzheimer's kind of way like well one of where he at least lives to be like 40 min's visions kind of hint a little bit at him dying. Yeah, because there is the funeral. Right. So, like, thing. maybe maybe it's about just getting him to be there enough to die at the end. Which, you know, most mm. people, most saviors are prophesized to die in their savior right. of the world. Like, that's just the thing. That's, yeah, that's not that weird. But the getting him to get to that point, to be sane enough at that point, is different. Yeah. But I think in a larger scope, the Wheel of Time isn't necessarily directly about that, although it is about that. It's it's about balance. Right. The The world of the Wheel of Time is deeply imbalanced. Yeah. We get some of that even in Kyrian itself because there's a, you know, a huge divide between Kyrian proper and the foregate. Kyrian proper has all of these like hard lines and right angles and like propriety and noble society. And then the foregate is just loose and chaotic. And there's a good amount of crime there. Yeah. Not to say that there isn't crime in the noble part because there is because... It's just, it's the difference between, like, white-collar crime and, like, robbery. Like, the stuff that's happening is, in the foregate, is robbery drunken public like those types of crimes whereas the stuff that's happening inside the nobility's area is like corporate espionage right and clearly the two would be served by taking the best bits from each other and like i don't like i think the crimes that are happening inside Kyrie and proper aren't crimes that huron would be able to smell maybe not because they're not really violent they are it's they're hiring people to be violent for them. Right. And Huron says he can't smell things that people are thinking about doing. He can only smell things that people have done. Right. And, like, I don't think there's nothing inherently violent about corporate espionage or, like... Right. Well, there's... I don't think it's necessarily... It's, like, assassinations. That, too. But that they're the not the ones do. doing it in the proper. Right. They're, you know, that stuff is for the 4K. Right. And kind of even going beyond Kyrian, the white 
tower is the largest group of women channelers, and every male channeler is basically being hunted down and, like, euthanized. Yeah. That's a deep imbalance in the world. Yeah. And so need to... the story is kind of like, how do you bring these two things in balance? How, how is it safe to do so, even? Because there's a good reason why you put them down, because... They go crazy and turn into volcanoes. Right. They're like walking nuclear bombs. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting, and the like arc of the whole series is fascinating. And I, I think that watching Rand even just come into being a leader is interesting, and that's what we kind of get through parents' yeah. section. Yeah. And that, and we get a little bit about the statue. Yeah, it's a Sangreal. You know how they're Angreal? Mm-hmm. They're a Sangreal, which are stronger. There's a male one, which is the one that Rand had interacted with, and yep. it it has to be a male channeler that uses it, yep, which is a strong one. And it explains why Rand was drawn to it yep. and felt Sidene pumping through it. And then there's a female one, and together in unison, it's possible to break the world. They're very, very powerful. I think that's I just that was a question. Uh, I think that's what they said. Yeah, but that's that's basically I what recall. they said. Okay, it, it's very much like a. You could probably do this, but the world isn't cracked like an egg, so who knows if it's actually possible. Right. So that's the information we get from yeah. Aaron there. Either way, we learn that both to use either, you have to be incredibly strong. There are probably only three or four women. And in the she White lists Tower. them, and well, she says three full eyes, three or four full eyes to die. Yeah. She mentions Moraine. She mentions the um, the Amerlin. She mentions, I think, Leandrin or someone else. She mentions Liana. a couple. She mentions a couple other names. Then she says two. I think she said or three people in training. Yeah, which we know, makes we know me, who two of them are. Which makes me think it's at least Nynaeve. That's definitely Nynaeve. Nynaeve is stronger than all of the women that were mentioned. Right. It's 1,000% she's talking about Nynaeve there. Yeah. Whether, and just based on introducing characters, the other two are Egwene and Elaine. That's a fair assumption. Like, or else, it's like, you gotta, you gotta pick characters and like... Not if you're Robert Jordan. (laughs) But I think even his editors were like, could you combine these characters and it would serve the purposes? There are just under 3,000 named characters. That's what I'm saying. He probably had 4,000... (laughs) <laughs> and editors were like, can you combine these two characters? So if there was a third, a fourth trainee, he was probably like, can you just combine that person and Elaine? <laughs> like, can you just, because you can't have that many characters. No, there are a lot. So the other two are probably yeah. Egwene and Elaine. Okay. Like, just I mean, because they're the only ones that have been named. Either yeah. that or what's her face? Els Grinwell. Els Grinwell. She's going to do it. and She's the only other named one. Make all of the men follow her around. That's what she wants. Yeah. She's definitely going to be a green. Yeah. If she makes it through. Yeah. She wants some warders. Yeah. (laughs) So skipping ahead a a little bit into the party itself. The Kyrianan women swarm Rand. Yeah, they do. He shows up and he has a little bit of a conversation with Barthanas. And then he like breaks off, sees Tom who's performing at the party because Tiberian shit. and And because Tom's playing the game even though he thinks he's not. Yeah. Tom is like sleep playing Days tomorrow. And so these these women, he, he breaks off and he starts talking to one woman who like approaches him. And then like, another, oh, you can play the flute? Yeah. And then another one comes up and then she's like, ignore her. And, and then third a third one, one comes up and is like, it's like, I'm married. These two aren't. I'm not trying to play games with you, but she's trying to play games with him. At least I'm not trying to seduce and play games with you. Right. I just want to play regular games with you. And then you don't even get the benefit of having sex. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which, Which is, is kind of the right approach to take with Rand. Rand was not responding well to the one woman being like, you should come over to my manor. My lord is away. We could have fun. It didn't work. No. It's Rand. He's from the Two Rivers. He he wants to have, like, he, wa- he wants to have sex. <laughs> if nothing else, Celine made that r- real. But Celine was unattached. Celine was unattached. At least what he knew. Sort of. Like, at least as far as he knew. Yeah. He could have it, but he wants it, like, with a relationship. He doesn't want to just have, like, a one-night stand. He wants to, like, he wants to, like, woo someone and, like, be with them, and I appreciate it. Rand is, Rand is a gentleman often to a fault. Not as much as Perrin. Not as much as Perrin. Perrin has, like, wait-till-marriage vibes. Perrin does have wait-till-marriage vibes. Rand has, all right. I'm gonna sleep with you, but I'm also gonna take you to dinner. Right. And like continue to woo you after. And yeah. and Matt's just like, wanna have fun? <laughs> to anyone. And me and He's not particular about whether it's a woman yeah. or not. <laughs> He'd say that to anyone. Meanwhile. <laughs> the bi icon. Yeah, yeah. The bi icon, Matt Cotham. <laughs> for a for a book with shockingly few gay characters, this series is very gay. <laughs> Like, there aren't very many characters who don't give off a little bit of a gay vibe, at least. And I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Meanwhile, the Kyrian and women are just trying to use sex as weapons. I mean, if you, you can't... Use what you got. You use what you got, and most women use sex as a weapon. And if you can't actually use magic... That's true. Women have two things in this universe. Either their sex appeal or their magic. If you don't have magic, you gotta go for the sex appeal. If you've got and... magic, use both. <laughs> Because that's what Moraine does at first, before it, and, sort and, of. in Eye of the World, because everyone's like, oh, she's very pretty. Sort of. But she's kind of pretty in, like, a unobtainable way. But in a way enough that, like, Rand's like, I'm not going to use this coin because Moraine gave it to me. That's fair. Although there was magic on the coin that might have been driving that thought. Could have been. Because it was least bad with Rand. Matt and Perrin really didn't want to give it up and Rand resisted because he's got magic of his own. Yeah. Anyway, Kyrian and women are trying to get at Rand and Rand's just like, I'm gonna leave and go talk to Tom, which turns out to be sad for poor old Tom Marilyn. Yeah, it does. Rip. And Tom's just like, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. Wait. And then Hiran comes and finds him and is like, ah. They're in the garden. <laughs> no, your servant twisted his knee and you must come help. Yeah. And Matt's just like on the ground. Like, like ow, I, my knee hurts. Can I it, get up now? I twisted it. Don't I, worry about me. I just twisted my knee. <laughs> I either took too much or too little of something. It seemed very much like. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> And then Kieran's like, the dark friends are in the garden. And then they go into the garden and then the trail ends cold at a way gate. Yep. And, and so Rand's like, oh, I've seen this before. Let me just open it. Right up. We'll Black just, wind. We'll just go right after him. He's very much like, I'm not going to wait for anyone. I'm doing this all on my own. Well, because waiting for anybody means waiting for Varen. He does not want to get caught up in Aes Sedai games, which is very funny because he has to get caught up in Aes Sedai games. Yeah, well. But they open the way gate. And, and then, the Black Wind is like, hello, I heard you have some blood. I would like your blood. Give me your blood, the, please. Yeah, the Black Wind is like standing guard, which later when they're discussing Rude. it, Varen's like, that's not possible. But clearly, whatever the wind did to Patton Fane, Patton Fane also did something to the wind because he can now control the wind. I don't like... I don't like it. I don't like that Patton Fane is a POV character. <laughs> 
I'm not used to reading books in which I get to go into the villain's head. Nope. And Padden Fane is shaping up to be a big bad. Yeah, uh, he's he's real bad. But like he's shaping up to be like he's not Balsamon. He's, he's got evil from all sorts of directions. But like he's shaping up to be like at least a lesser big bad, like a big yeah. evil. He's shaping up to be a pretty big villain, and I do not like being in no. his head. I do not want to know. No, because he's one of the dark friends. Later, complains that they're moving too fast, and he feeds her to Trollocs. Oh no, he wants he wants her horse because they're moving too fast and his horse. Oh, okay. Yeah, like she he wanted her horse and she's like, I don't want to give you my horse. And he's like, like into the cook pot you go. And the rest of the dark <laughs> you know friends are like, what? You know who doesn't need horses? People who are being eaten by Trollocs. He literally says that. Yeah. That's literally what he, that's his train of thought. I don't like it. No, he's, but, he's bad. Because he can control the Black Wind now. Yeah. And the Black Wind is creepy and it was trying to kill, it was trying, trying to, to kill out. Rand, but also he's like, there's a weird part where Rand is like, I can feel it killing me and I like it. I think he was talking about the taint. Because when the Black, when he opens the way gate and the Black Wind like tries to get out, one, the Black Wind seems to have some sort of resonance with the taint. Because even before, when they were traveling through the ways the first time, it like tried to get out of the ways. And thinking back on it, I think that's because Rand was with them. Like the Black Wind has some some sort of resonance with the taint, kind of like what's happening with Padden Fane and the like corruption from Shadow Logoff. Okay. So it's trying to get out and Rand is Rand knowingly and intentionally channels here again. Mm-hmm. And he can feel the taint, and I think that that... That's what that is referring I, to? Yeah, and okay. I, I think it's worse because of the Black Wind, and there's some sort of, like, resonance and amplification. That, that makes sense. Because Rand basically creates a pillar of fire in the Black Wind to hold it back, and Loyal closes the door. Here's my question. How do Loyal and Huron not look at him and go... They thought it was the Black Wind. They thought the fire was the Black Wind? Yeah, they thought it was going to throw it at him. Tavir and Shin. Because, like... You know, if it was coming out of his hand. No, it just appeared in the black wind. Okay. Yeah. So that because that would be like a. Did you just throw fire? Did you just throw fire? Did you just do some witch shit? <laughs> yeah. So they close the door and they can't use at least that way gate. And they go back and they they kind of. And Baron's like, regroup. we still need to use a way gate. Let's and... go to a setting. <laughs> and. Yeah, because Rand's like, we aren't going in there. I know I have no business ordering out Aes Sedai, but like, no, this is not what we're doing. Yeah, so they're going to try and go to a setting, and Loyal's not super happy about that, but he's like, I guess I'll go. No, because he's like... My friends are going, I'll go. Yeah, because Rand's like, I'm going to the, like, we're going after it. Loyal, are you coming with? And Loyal is in that moment very loyal to Rand. <laughs> um, loyal is shaped like a friend. <laughs> shaped like a friend. Because he's like, I mean, I like you. So yeah, I'm going to stick with yeah. you. Like, he's despite, like, he's like, I like you. He's like, I don't know if I like you because you're Taviran or despite the fact that you're Taviran because it's causing a lot of problems for me. But I still like you anyway. Right. Like, he says all of that. And that's like, yeah, because he's like, I'd like you even if you weren't Taviran. Like, yeah, good shit, Loyal. That's what Rand needs. Rand needs friends. Rand needs friends. Because Perrin and Matt are not being good friends to Rand. I think Perrin... Perrin's not being a bad friend. Perrin's not being a bad but friend. Perrin has his own stuff going on. And at least in the sense, like, I would still consider Perrin as being a good friend because he's not taking whatever is going on with him out on yeah. Rand, which Matt is doing. Yes. Matt very, is being a very, very selfish so. friend. Perrin is like, I want to tell Rand about the wolves because I know I know his secret. I feel I like should, he deserves yeah. to know mine. So that way he knows that he's not alone in the weird shit is going on. 
because right. of a power I have inside of me field. Right. Which I hope I hope by the end of this book, if not by at least like midway through the third book, Perrin tells Rand about the wolves. Okay. Because I think that Rand needs that right now. I think he needs an unconditional, yeah. like, I trust you and I like you from loyal. And I think he needs kind of an unconditional that from someone who's known him his entire life. Like, yeah. I think he needs a with new friend, a new best friend, and his old best friend being like. With Loyal, it's a little different also because Loyal doesn't know Rand can channel. Like, it might be different if Loyal knew because then it would be like, okay, Loyal likes me for who I am despite knowing what I am. Yes, a he does. He's, from... he's already said that in the terms of Taviran. Right, but and not think... man who can channel because Taviran just means you're just means you're the main character. Man who can channel means you're dangerous to the people around you. But I think if. Perrin is very much, if Perrin initiates that, I know you can channel, but I still trust and love you anyway, then it's going to be more likely that someone like Loyal is like, well, if you're best, like, right. if Perrin still trusts and cares about you, then why shouldn't I? Yeah, definitely. So we leave Rand with them deciding to go to the steading outside of Kyrian and try the Waygate there. Yes. There are two more. We've talked about them a little bit already. Two more point of views here. We have Tom and we have Pat and Fane. With Tom, we kind of pick up on a little bit of tragedy. He comes back from the party. Really late. Really late. And finds Dina, his like lover slash apprentice, dead. Yeah, it was starting. It was slit. shaping up to be a really sweet scene. Because he was like, I'm going to let her perform. Like, I'm in a good mood. And he, like, is, like, gently trying to wake her up, and he's, like, going to give her a kiss in the forehead, and then he's like, oh, God. And then two men try to kill him. Why is it sticky? (laughs) Never a good question to ask. And then, yeah, he he immediately kills one assassin. He's he, just like, like hits him in the eye with a dagger. No, he like sl- he slashes his throat as well. Hmm. Like because he just jets something out of his sleeve and slash. Yeah, the other one like grapples him a little bit, but Tom like does some jujitsu shit. And he and stabs him in the throat. <laughs> No, he stabs the second guy through the shoulder, interrogates him. Like, he stabs him to a door and interrogates him. And then when he gets the information he wants, he drives the dagger fully home. That's what I read it as. No, because he was struggling against one guy who was trying to pull a dagger on him to kill Tom. And then Tom stabs him in the throat. Maybe. I don't know. The first guy he kills instantly, slashing him in the throat. And then he, like, pins another, he pins the second one to the door, interrogates him. Yeah, finds out that they're supposedly hitmen hired by Barthanas. Mm-hmm. And then he kills that one. He kills that one, and the innkeeper comes in and is like, oh my god, Tom, I'm so sorry. Tom then, seems to know a lot of innkeepers who are willing to do a lot of things for him, because Basil Gill back in Andor was also like, you're Tom's friend, I'll help you a lot. Right. Uh... But then that innkeeper is like, they didn't work for Bathanas, they worked for King Galdrian. And he's like, oh, off to kill a king. Yep, because he, he had already been like, I'm going to go kill Barthanas now. And she's like, too late. He's dead. He was found torn to shreds in his bedroom. The only way that, that they could identify him was because his head was on a pike. Yikes. Trollocs, man. So Barthanas is dead, and the, they were actually the king's men, so he's going to go casually kill a king? He, he's, he does it so matter-of-factly. He's just like... Time to go kill someone. Yeah, I dig it. Tom is like John Wick. Don't kill his puppy. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. He will kill you and everybody you love. Not his fluffy boy. Not his fluffy boy. <laughs> then we get into Pat no, and Fane. Tom. Pat and Fane is riding to Tom on head. Yep. He's stopping in Falm. Yeah, Falm is like 
onto my head. Okay. And so he wants to see the Empress, and he goes... She's not there. She's not there. And they're not going to let him see her anyway. No, because the Shanchen are weird. But he does see... Hi, Lord, Lord Turok. Turok. And uh, presents the chest to him. And he's and... able to open it. Yeah. And he thinks the gift is the chest. Like, this is from the Age of Legends. It's real fancy. Yeah, he thinks... And then he sees the horn, and he's like, oh, it's the horn of Valir. Okay. And because... Padden Fane was like, I need to make myself seem useful, so I need to figure out how to open the chest, and Lord Talks just like, oh, I can open it. Yeah. Which, I don't remember how, it's some sort of intricate pattern. Who opens it when Rand, is Rand the one who opens it? In the portal world? Yeah. Selene. Selene. Okay. Because she knows old things. Yeah. She knows about the so portal So you just need to know about, you just need to know the pattern to figure out the code, basically. Yeah. It's like one of those, like, puzzle boxes. Yeah. So, and Turek decides in a very Sean Chan way, very, very, very similar to how he decided with Bale Domon. It's like, this is mine now. And and you're mine now. Right. And you're going to entertain me. And then I think he mentions, like, someone else I just met, which is probably Bale Domon. Yeah. And they, they seem to be about the just claiming things and people. Yeah. It's a little interesting. He has like an assistant who has half his head shaved and the other half is in a braid. They've got some weird hairstyles. And... Who likes hitting people. Yes. Like enforcing Sean Chan manners on these uh, mainlanders, I guess. Padden Fane makes a lot of claims. He does. He claims, he swears oaths, and he's like, I don't even know how many oaths I've sworn at this point. It's all to a means to an end. Like, I'm just, I'll swear any oath. Yep. And then he claims to come from a family that serves the High King's blood. Yep. So. Referencing Arthur Hawkman. Yep. And then uh, he tried, he keeps trying to convince Turok to blow the horn. Yep. And Turok's like, no. No. And then he claims that, well, he alerts Lord Turok to all of the Trollocs and the Dark Friends that are hanging (laughs) out over the hill. But he says that Randall Thor is the one that's controlling them, not him. Padden Fane has started to be very manipulative here. Because he spins a very detailed and sort of believable story about his family swearing oaths and never exactly. forgetting them. He doesn't believe it. He's like... He doesn't. And Turok, no, and Turok barely does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But By, he, that's the he I was referring to. Is yeah. Turok doesn't believe it. But he also doesn't disbelieve it enough to just be like, yeah, you're lying. It's like, you could be lying. You could be telling the truth. But you're entertaining either way, so I'm going to keep you. Yeah. He's... And because Fane is so specific with stuff. Like, he picked up enough stuff from the people around him. Yeah. That he was able to just spin that tale very well. And he said, in not necessarily the most believable way, but in a quite believable way, all of the exact right things, apparently, for the Sean Chan. Yeah. And he be- he studied them enough to pick up the buzzwords and put them in the right order. Right. And that did him some good. Because now he's going to hang around this High Lord and maybe corrupt him. Possibly. Fane clearly corrupts the people around him. Yeah. And the High Lord has the dagger, so that's not going to be good. No, and he also has all of the seals, which I don't know. Not all of them, several. But he has a lot of seals, and I don't know how you actually break those. Do you literally just have to throw them on the ground and smash them? At this point, yeah. So, like... Fane could just go and smash all of the seals. He's he's next to the seals. Yeah. None of this is good. None of it is good. It's not all of the seals, though. But still, like, the and more seals that are broken, the easier it's going to be for Balsmon, who has not popped up in a bit. No, he hasn't. To pop up more. Yep. Nope. Not good. Because the last time I heard of Balsamon was in Egwene's Dreams. Yeah. Which was kind of referencing when he appeared to Rand. Yeah. In the portal world. Yeah. 
a lot of stuff. I mean, we're, we're in the back half of the book. There's a lot of stuff, and we only have three more episodes left, and there's a lot, a lot of stuff in those three episodes. Yeah, they've got to find the horn. <laughs> you don't even know what happens. Oh, my God. There hasn't even been a hint at what happens in just the last, like, 30% of the book. Oh, my God. This is crazy. Well, I You're also, in for a ride. I also don't predict things very well. Uh, there's no predicting this. What's got, what's to come. Good. Because, yeah, like, I am the worst person to be like, oh, the twist at the end was so good. Because, like, I don't see things coming. Recently read a paranormal romance where I didn't see the villain at the end being the villain. But, like, I'm sure if you read it, you'd have been like, yeah, it, 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 it's the grandma. Like, <laughs> like, you would have been like, yeah, that's who it is. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it's the old billionaire in a mask. Scooby-Doo. Oh, no. Yeah, it's it's Pat and Fane. <laughs> but I just, yeah, so I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I, they're going to find the horn. Yeah, that's a pretty safe assumption. Someone is going to have the horn at the end, and I don't think it's going to be Pat and Fane. Hopefully not, because apparently when you blow the horn, one, it's linked to you forever, or until you die, and two, the the heroes of the horn serve you. Yep. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter who you are. It's bad. Someone's, have... someone's going to have the horn, and I think Rand is going to end up being revealed to at least more people that he can channel. There's no way that he gets out of the end of this book without obviously channeling in front of Loyal. Okay. At, at, at least. least. Okay. We have several several threads have started to come together here. Paddenfane is on Tomon head. And at least now the weird Bale Domon thing is starting to connect to the main storyline. A seal is in Tomon head. Several seals. Yeah. But also just like the weird Shan Chen thing. I was like, what the what is the point of this? Oh, now head. is the now that's the point. Yeah, so Paddenfane so is on Tomon head. The Shan Chan are there with some seals. The White Cloaks are headed there. Oh, yeah. And now Rand is headed there. There's a whole bunch of shit converging on Tomon Head, and there's only 30% of the book left. We're in for a ride. And I don't know where Maureen and Lan are. No, we don't. They left Vandine and Adelius' house. Yeah. That's the last one. And they've got a vampire chasing them. Basically, what that not anymore. Had. They killed it. They had one. There's probably yes. more. There are a lot of Dragar, but she's an nice guy, and it's Landman Dragarin. What, what's a vampire gonna do? Sparkle at them? <laughs> like, Land. ooh, look at me, I'm sexy. Fireball. Uh, Land's gonna be like, hey, look at me, I'm sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and sword. <laughs> Embrace death. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, let's do our recurring segments before we devolve anymore. Weird prophetic aura. Should we expand this section, perhaps, to prophecies in general? Because while not much happens here, we're on Tomon Head. And that was a prophecy that was at the beginning of the... I mean, it's all... It's not yeah. really a prophecy. Also, well, actually, there, there was the watchers. There was the weird uh, prophecy written in blood, and then there was Fane's message as well. Yeah. And the watchers for the return, a.k.a. the Sean Chan. I don't know what you're saying. It'll make a little bit more sense eventually. It's not that big a deal. It's just a reference. Anyway, ship updates. Um, I just gotta say, poor Tom. Yeah. I went through a wild, very quick ride with Tom in yes. the past two sections because I was just like, oh, Tom has a girl. Maybe he'll. No. No, she's dead. No, she's dead. Yep. Also, just admiration for loyal as a friend. Yeah. I friend. I that is a friendship. Yeah. Loyal appreciation. Time. Yes. 
Loyal appreciation. And although he did not appear in this section, I cannot have an episode now where I do not express my love for Lan. <laughs> I think that is a recurring segment. We are officially a Lan <laughs> admiration podcast. We are officially a Lan Mandragoran admiration podcast. Cool. If he's if that actor's ever at a con, you best believe. Oh yeah. I'm getting a because he was also in Criminal Minds, which you love. Not the Criminal Minds that I. Yeah, I think he's in actual Criminal. He's minds. in like the regular one, not like one of the weird. I'm pretty spin-offs. sure he's in like season like twelve for a couple episodes. I do also love Criminal Minds. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's that. Loyal's the best, and we love Lan. Favorite moment. Tom's very matter of fact. I'm off to kill a king. That is like boss energy. It really is. I think my favorite moment is Loyal's "I like you" speech. Yeah, it's good. It's very wholesome. Yeah, Loyal's a wholesome character. He just I... he just sings to trees. He does. I think if there's ever, like, a really great loyal moment, that's always going to end up being one of my favorite moments. The yeah. only one who will overshadow a, la- a loyal moment would be a Lan moment. As far as you know, there's so many characters you haven't met yet. Lan and Ragarin. <laughs> well, I don't mean, like, who's first, because it's always going to be Lan. I meant more like, who's second? Loyal. Loyal. <laughs> okay. Well, We are loyal to loyal. Yes, we are loyal to loyal. Always. Forever. This was chapters 30 to 34. Two weeks from now. Chapters 35 to 39. Yep. Who knows what's going to happen. Not me. Except for me. I do. (laughs) Anyway. Bye. Bye. (laughs)